Ladies and gentlemen, we are coming up here on episode number 15, if you can believe it. And I am extremely excited uh, about this episode. This has been a long journey, a very enjoyable one, um, and I think mildly successful. Uh, it, it has definitely surpassed all expectations that I had. And I haven't shared this uh, just yet, but we have just, you know, surpassed 3,000 plays, you know, and we're on episode 15. Uh, I, I think that is just nothing short of amazing. And uh, your continued support has been just awesome. Uh, everyone from Reddit, you know, to uh, Discord, to my email uh, has been just great. So thank you guys. Please you know, keep emailing me. I really appreciate it. I'm going to be talking today uh, with Moreland, and this has probably been about a month or so in the works. I haven't said anything about it, um, and I I know his his schedule is extremely hectic, and, and I am so thankful that he spent you know the time with me that he did, and I think we had a very thought provoking conversation about. Not only Ultima Online, but just MMOs and really how UO, you know, shaped future MMOs, which honestly, I, I never really thought about it like that. So um, I really hope you guys enjoy this conversation. I'll keep it brief here. Uh, just a reminder, I do stream on Twitch. I stream Ultima Online, believe it or not. <laughs> Look me up, uh, Mustache Gaming. I'll leave the links in the description here. Um, but again, uh, Moreland, thank you. Sir, I really appreciate you sitting down with me and uh, chatting, and I, I know we'll be talking in the future. All right, guys, we'll catch you next time. Yeah, and I think, you know, because we're going to be talking about UO today, you, you know, you, you mentioned something, chasing the dragon. And let me tell you, you know, I, I can just say, personally, I have been chasing the, you know, I guess the UO dragon for many, many years, probably decades. Um, <laughs> um, but... So I, you know, we're going to, so introduce me to, um, your MMO history, because I did see something that was interesting about, um, you, I think you've played like the OG MMOs and which some of my viewers may, you know, may not understand. So why don't you go into that a little bit? So my first MMO was Meridian 59, um, which was the, uh, they were pretty small servers. You'd have maybe about 300 people online at once. And the world map itself was pretty small. You could go to one side or the end of the map, you know, in probably five or 10 minutes. Um, so it was a very, like, compact little game. Um, everybody knew everybody. Um, right. But it was such a crazy experience because, you know, this was before any MMOs. All the MMOs before that were basically, like, text games. Um, yeah. And so this was the first time you could actually, like, walk around and encounter other players. And the the guys who made the game, you know, there was nothing before this. So they were all figuring it out as they went and they they just did an extraordinary job it, that game was so ahead of its time in a lot of ways and uh one of the ways is you know the way that pvp encounters work you can attack anyone anywhere in that game except for um like towns and buildings basically and okay. then in towns people and guilds can fight each other um but is you know you have to run inside like an inn if you want to be safe and so there was immediately this inherent danger to the world 
Right. And that's that's what I love in MMOs because that's what creates the community. That's what creates the emergent content. You get your good guys and your bad guys. And, you know, if there's a bad guy going around causing trouble, the good guys have to band together. That's where all the best stories come from. Um, you know, my best memories and, and guildies that I've played with for decades, It they all emerge from these games with sort of inherently dangerous settings. And I feel like other players have to be a part of that danger to really capture that feeling like pve just doesn't quite do it in the same way you know what i mean yeah no for sure and i want to make sure too that everyone (laughs) can see you know i'm gonna date myself you know i know exactly probably the kind of computer and connection you had can you just illustrate what your setup was (laughs) when you're playing that oh man i was like nine years old at this point (laughs) i think so I actually was lucky. I had a dad who worked in tech, and so we had okay. um, we had ISDN pretty early on. Wow! I don't know if I had it from Meridian Fifty Nine. Uh, I might have been on like twenty eight eight or something at that point. Right. Um, but yeah, this was like before cable modems or anything like that. Uh, so there, I'm I'm sure this was so many years ago. I'm sure there was quite a bit of lag in a game like Meridian Fifty Nine. You know, it's it's uh, the game is kind of built around that, but. Um, yeah, we when I finally started playing UO, at some point we got ISDN, maybe from the beginning. So I actually had a pretty big like <laughs> internet advantage in other yeah. games uh, that actually was was massive. But I think in Murder Fifty Nine, I was too like young and clueless to take advantage of that. I mostly just got my ass kicked in that game. So and and I'm gonna stick, you know, and just so everyone who's listening, you know, for some of the younger folks that you know, this was. It was text-based. Am I correct? There was all text, or were there any graphics on this at all? Meridian Fifty Nine had graphics. Yeah, that was the okay. first um, like three D MMO where you could actually walk around and you had a character and you were swinging a sword. Um, so yeah, that was that was kind of the the, the first like real big three D MMO. This right. and it came out, I think maybe like six months or something before Ultima did. Um, so it was it was re- this was real early. This was like um, nineteen ninety seven or nineteen ninety six. Right. And what now as you, you know, because we're going to just kind of go right, you know, with with UO here. But what character did you like? What kind of play style did you do? Um, I spent a lot of time the the way that that game was built. Um, it, it was built in a way where like exploration was really interesting because you could yeah. find like, you know, secret rooms in a dungeon or something that might have rare loot. And it just had like really creative map layout. So I spent a lot of time exploring, mostly exploring places that I wasn't strong enough to go. And mm-hmm. so I would end up dying. And then that game had really harsh death penalties. So I'd spend a lot of time recovering from my death. <laughs> um I'd spend a lot of time. I honestly, I just spent a lot of time on the social aspect of it too. Yeah. A lot of times in Meridian 59, like people would joke that it was just a glorified chat room because yeah. half the player base would just sit in an inn, just talking to people and like checking out like, whoa, where'd you get that piece of armor that looks so cool? Like, uh, you know, half the time you weren't even playing in a game. You were just marveling at the fact that you could stand in a room with all these other people and from around the world and talk about whatever you were talking about. Yeah, because I, I want people to realize, like, we didn't have, you know, there was no Discord. There really was no real-time communication. So I think, to your point, Meridian, you know, it, it was a, a, ch- a glorified chat room for sure because people couldn't interface real-time. You know, it was like forum posts. I know, right? That's a <laughs> almost an antiquated term now. Um, but um, so, okay, so walk me through now how you even heard of UO or how you were introduced to it 
So I heard of UO from people playing Meridian 59. Um, okay. I guess they caught wind of it and people were talking about this new game that was coming out. And then at the same time, there was some kind of drama with Meridian 59. I think they were changing their business model or something. Um, I don't remember exactly what happened. Again, I was only like nine years old. Yeah. But there, there were people who were basically quitting Meridian 59 and going to play Ultima Online. Mm. Um, and so in, I want to say, October of 97, I did the same thing. I think UO had already maybe been out for a month or two at that point, um, but it was it was pretty early on in the game's release um, that I quit Meridian and switched over to UO. And you know, I'm I'm nine years old at this point, so and, and, <laughs> yeah. and these games are subscription based; they cost right. ten dollars a month. And so my dad wouldn't let me play both of them. He was like, "Well, you know, this is ten dollars a month. You have to pick one or the other. You don't, you know, I'm not going to pay um, more money than I'm already paying." So I had right. to give up my Meridian Fifty Nine account in order to play Ultima. Well, and it's super interesting that you had a dad in tech because I remember like asking my mom when I found out about UO, this was, you know, like, I think it was like one or two years after release, you know, and I'm like, Hey, you know, this is a subscription base, you know, and immediately you say that and like, my mom's like, huh? It's like, you know, and then I'm like, yeah, we need to enter your credit card information online. <laughs> you <know? laughs> like, you know, and, and I think you're going to laugh too, but you know, there was a time before DLC and microtransactions, right? That was a real, you know, time to be alive. But yeah, that concept of a subscription is wild because, I mean, I, you know, and again, I'm not a, a game developer or anything, but I can tell as like almost a business owner, how are you going to convince thousands of people to enter in their information online, right? That's a, just a new concept. So your dad was very, like, I guess, comfortable, right? Doing that. You had no problems. Yeah. So he, he worked at a software company and he, ah. you know, his, he had some friends there that were into gaming and they're the ones who told him about Meridian 59. And, okay. and I, I remember, I remember what he said, actually, I remember the phrase he used. Cause I, I thought it was funny. He, uh, he said, this is the hottest game on the net. <laughs> um, and so you know that was his uh, that was his introduction to Meridian 59 he wanted me to play it because I guess his friends had told him it was cool I don't even think he played it much himself but um, right you know he wanted me to experience it because I guess it was the the new big thing so I know and and I you know I'll bring up you know a program that people probably use was like Netscape Navigator right you know people don't know slow loading websites until they use you know that <laughs> i mean yeah even just having like a web browser was only a couple of years old at that point so right um okay so you got introduced to uo we sign up for uo so i guess walk me through your first you know experience with you you know what char did you pick how like how did you do this um so i picked the napa valley shard i don't know why um, <laughs> yeah I, I guess I just thought it sounded interesting or whatever. Um, I made my first character and my very first encounter with another player was uh, in the Trinsic, um, like up on the walls of Trinsic, you, how yeah. you can walk up the stairs and get up top. Right. Um, there was one area, I was just exploring the town and I think it was over by the Trinsic healer. There's a set of stairs that you can go up and it's only one tile wide. And so I was walking up those stairs and there was another player coming down the stairs and we ran into each other and we got stuck. And he <laughs> said, move, followed by a racial slur. And that was okay. the first, <laughs> that was my first encounter yeah. with anyone in UO was being called a racial slur because I ran into them on the Trinsic stairs. Yeah. Welcome to the internet, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it's funny because, um, you know, well, I'll, I'll say this, you know, growing up on... UO, I mean, 
I don't know if it maybe hardened me as, as a person. I'm not sure. But, you know, for me to get my feelings hurt, it, boy, it takes a lot of effort. Because if you played UO, I mean, you got exposed to probably some of the most savage <laughs> things. Oh, yeah. It was the Wild West. <laughs> um, because I don't even think back then, I don't remember there being a profanity like filter or anything like that. Nope. And uh, I mean, I think there was probably some way that you could report somebody, but um, yeah, it was just like that people were doing all kinds of, of crazy stuff back then. Well, and, you know, and just a, a personal thing for me, you know, like I, I have a son now and a daughter and, you know, even even now I, I introduced him to you a little bit, but I I have this, you know, thing in the back of my head, knowing what I went through. I'm like, you know, I don't know if I want him to experience that yet. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it definitely, I think the um, nowadays, like with player run servers, a lot of the guys running those servers do a pretty good job of, you know, keeping the community clean and, and having sort of, they allow people to talk trash or whatever, but they have right. reasonable limits to it. So it, it doesn't get out of hand. Back then, it was, everything was so new and so fresh that, you know, I don't think the companies had fully figured out like how, crazy some of their players were gonna get oh Maybe there yeah. were some genuine psychos on the game <laughs> no i know it's a uh the wild west i think sums it up very well because yeah no one had any idea what we we're in store for so and it, and it's funny you and i ask this question about the the shard pick because out of everyone i've interviewed and i'm trying to think of this offhand but no one has ever said, oh, yeah, I picked, you know, Napa Valley because I was in this location or whatever. Like, I remember I picked Sonoma and I was in Florida. <laughs> Couldn't be almost farther away from because I, I even remember looking in the guidebook. It didn't explain that, like where the shards were. Yeah, I don't think I understood that. I think it was just close to the top of the list. And I just thought it <laughs> right. sounded interesting or whatever. Oh yeah, I know. It, it's really funny. I though, didn't that. even know what Napa Valley was at that point. Like I was nine right. years old. I'd never heard of Napa Valley. I didn't know about like winery. Like I had no idea that Napa <laughs> Valley was even a location like, right. in real life, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. I had no, I had no idea. I don't even know why I picked Sonoma. You know, I, I cannot tell you why I did that, but that's funny. So, okay. So at this point though, in UO, you, ha and I like to, you know, paint the picture, you're on ISDN. What kind of PC are you running? The same one from Meridian, so it's decent, you know? Oh, I don't remember. Um, it would have been like a... I don't I don't remember exactly when this happened. I remember the, the phrase Pentium 300 <laughs> or, or like yeah, yeah. Pentium 400 megahertz or something. I don't know if that was the first year or the second. I think we upgraded to a 400 megahertz at some point. I, I yeah. can't remember the timeline, but yeah. There, there were computers that were, you know, 100 times slower than your phone is nowadays. <laughs> And did yours have, because mine had this special feature, had a turbo button on it. I don't remember a turbo button, now. <laughs> I do yeah. remember at one point upgrading from one computer to the next. And um, I went back and played UO on my old computer at one point, And it was yeah. crazy how the different just the frame rate was in your movement. I could run twice as fast on the new computer. Um, right. It wasn't even just an internet thing. It was like literally just the hardware was so slow that, you know, stepping from tile to tile on the other computer was so you know sluggish compared to the new one and i was just running circles around people i felt so overpowered well and i think too people forget about because i think people and including me we've been really spoiled by i think free shards but 
And in OSI back then, there were server lines where you kind of rubber banded to go from one, you know, boundary, I guess, to the next. And yeah, if you had a slow ass connection, man, it <laughs> that could take 30 seconds, 45 seconds for you to reappear on the other side of that server line. Um, yeah, and that could include like going, you know, in and out of a dungeon while you're being right. chased. No, oh yeah, for sure. And um, I'm gonna throw this one in here, and I wanna, um, <laughs> I wanna paint the backstory for everyone who's listening. So, I was tuning in um, to Moreland's uh, Twitch, and you know, I was doing a little bit of research, just trying to figure out about the guy. And I remember I posted in there, I was, I was like. He was playing Black Desert, and you may or may not remember this. And I said, "Oh, is is that a sandbox game? Right? Just just a very, you know." <laughs> I laughed because you know it's just a simple question, and boy, the responses were just all over the place. Right? It was like some people, yes, absolutely, it is. Some people said no. So I want to ask you to set you know the record straight. What is a sandbox to you? What does that mean? Yeah, I, I remember that conversation. Um... And, you know, Black Desert, it's like for people who have only ever played World of Warcraft, Black Desert is definitely a sandbox. Right. <laughs> right, right. People who played Ultima Online, Black Desert's not much of a sandbox. So it, I feel like it really depends on what um, perspective people have based on, you know, their previous experience. Yeah. To me, it comes down to uh, player driven content. Like the sandbox means that the players are the ones building the content. They have the tools and, you know, they're the ones creating the sandcastle. Um, you know, the, the opposite of that being the theme park where the developer is designing the rides and the player comes in and rides the rides and, you know, that's the experience. So that's yeah. like, if you're, if you're raiding or if you're questing, you know, that's all theme parky stuff. Whereas, you know, sandbox would be things having to do more with PVP or, you know, building a house or, you know, open world exploration, like things that where you're setting your own goals and your own objectives rather than the developer telling you, okay, go do this, now go do that. Right. Like the, I, I call that system the on rails, right? Where it's just, okay, do X, Y, and Z and repeat it a hundred times. And now I don't, I don't know this, did Meridian have a leveling system or was it skill? Like how, how did that it work? Was, it was all skill based. You had um, your overall hit points were based on killing monsters. So that was kind of your level. You started with 30 okay. hit points and you could go up to a hundred and you would kill, you'd have to kill mobs in a certain range um, to gain more hit points, but you didn't really have a level beyond that. Each one of your skills, your sword skill, your, even your spells, like your fireball spell, your invisibility spell, every single yeah. one of those things had its own, um, percentage to it. No. And, and I, and the, the reason I asked that is, and cause I grew up on UO is to me, the skills, the way the skill system works in UO, just, it made like perfect sense to me. Like it, it and even to this day, it, it makes sense. And then, playing games that have a, a actual leveling system, I'm like, I wonder why they, they shifted to the leveling system because to me, the skills just, it makes it feel, I mean, to me, a little bit more immersive, right? Where you're actually skilling up, you know, but um, what, what is your kind of thought on that? Do you prefer the skill versus level or what? Yeah, I think uh, like if I had to design my own game, I would definitely make it skill-based. Um, the level-based games... Um, you know, the the main one that comes to mind for me is EverQuest. I thought yeah. I think the original EverQuest was was really ingenious in a lot of ways. 
Um, and it's just a fundamentally different, like that's theme park through and through, right? Yeah, like that's yeah. what a theme park game should be like. Um, and I think a lot of games that have come since that, like World of Warcraft basically copied EverQuest and then everything since then is copied World of Warcraft. Yeah. So um, you get a lot of these, you know, kind of level based on the Rails games. And that's that's fine. Um, those games can be really fun in their own way. But um, I don't think they'll ever quite strike the same depth that you get with like an open-ended skill-based sandbox game. You know, the characters that people would create in Ultima Online or um, or Meridian or like Asheron's Call is another one that comes to mind. Yeah. A huge part of your of your progression in Asheron's Call was figuring out how you were going to make your character. And if, if you were creative and smart about how you, what skills you took in that game, uh, you could be so far ahead of the curve. There were people in Asheron's Call that were level 40 who could, you know, 3v1 a group of level 60s just because they understood how to make their character and, and how to right. execute it. Well, and I remember too, uh, you know, in UO, like I never, I mean, hell, I, back then, I don't think I was GM in anything difficult. I, I think I was like mid 80s, maybe 90s. You know, I never maxed out. Is is that how you kind of when you played UO back then kind of progressed? Uh, yeah, it's, it took it took me years. Um, I think my <laughs> yeah. first um, skill that I ever maxed out was probably at the Bone Wall. I probably got yeah. tactics or something to a hundred. Um, right. And then meditation, since that would go up passively, I think that was the second one to hit a hundred. But yeah, I mean, it took it was probably a couple of years before any of my skills hit 100 in that game. It was always, you know, 70, 80, even your overall stats. I remember running into people in the early days of UO. And if, if someone had like 60 strength, cause you started with like 30 or something. Right. If you ran into someone with 60 strength, that was like, Whoa, <laughs> don't mess with that guy. <laughs> yeah. And so what, what kind of, you know, character did you really enjoy playing? Were you like a PK or a crafter PVM? Um, I started off, um, I played a bunch of different things. I tend to do this in MMOs where I make like five different characters and bounce around. Uh, I, th I remember having like just a regular mace fighting guy uh, with healing, which was a really bad character in the early days of UO. This was like yeah. before healing had gotten reworked. So, um, you know, it was not a good, and it was not a very strong character. Uh, eventually I made a bard and I think my bard is when I was really able to start like adventuring further into the game and, and taking on some more difficult content. Cause I figured out how provoking worked. Right. And I could yeah. actually go into, I could actually go into dungeons and provoke the mobs. Uh, and it wasn't just me face tanking everything. And so that's when, you know, I really started to, to get better at, at, at farming and everything. Do you remember, cause everyone seems to remember this. Do you remember like the first time you got PK'd or anything like that? Uh, yeah, it was <laughs> Trenzik again. Um, I actually, I don't remember if this was the very first time. I know that very early on, I opened a trap box and I got blown up <laughs> yeah. and I died probably, probably the first day or two. Um, yeah. I did that. Um, there was another time where another player convinced me to attack him in town. Um, <laughs> yeah. we were like doing some weird role playing thing and he was like saying that we were going to start the revolution or something. <laughs> um, and so he wanted me to attack him so that the guards would come. And then I think they were going to try to like kill the guards or something. I don't, I don't know, but, right. um, I ended up attacking him and getting guard whacked. Um, and then I, I, I also remember getting straight up killed for the first time by, um, a guy on foot in the Trinsic swamp. So, uh, somewhere southwest of Trinsic, i was running around you know killing mong bats or something right yeah and uh some guy ran up to me and hit me with two energy bolts and i died 
And I, I didn't even know what an energy bolt was at that point. I was just right. some guy who was able to do half my health with a spell. And I just, I find it so amazing because everyone I talk to, everyone remembers like their first, like even a few deaths. And, and you know, I think I'm very similar to you where I've played, I didn't play EverQuest, but I played EverQuest 2. I've played, I've played a lot of their MMOs, but man, I couldn't tell you like when the first time I died or because it just was meaningless. But like UO, yeah, I remember time, date, <laughs> who it was and the situation. Um, do you ever find I that remember interesting? The, the, the character, I remember he had like a jester hat on. Uh, <laughs> wow. And yeah, because he had like a kind of a goofy look to him and, you know, his name was Red. I don't remember what his name was, but um, I just remember seeing him and, and freaking out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, I'll tell you what, yeah, dying and, and two dying in UO. And it was funny, like my son played a, just a free shard and I remember he died and he's like, all right, so what do I do? Where's all my stuff? I'm like, well, you have to res and go back and get it. And I saw the look on his face and you could just tell the weight of that. He's like, this, well, that sucks. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, that's, you know, that's UO, right? Cause all the games we play now, even FPS, whatever, you know, you die, just instantly respawn. Right. There's just no, uh, there's no real, I guess, risk versus reward, but yep. um, I don't know. And, and I'm very similar to you where, yeah, I, I have to have some sort of risks for me to take it, you know, seriously. And now I don't know. Um, can you explain like your free shard experience? How did you like maybe, and maybe even take us through when you played OSI and maybe you took a break or whatever, came back on a free shard. How did that all go down? Oh man, I've probably played every free shard that's ever existed. Um, really? Wow. IP, okay. IPY, IPY2, Relpore, uh, Hybrids. Wow. Yeah, I played all that stuff. Um, it, they were always like short, you know, I'd play them for a couple months and then right. move on to the next one or go back to the production servers. I played OSI from 97 to 2007, so wow. a really long time. I played through that game through a lot of different eras. Uh, some were really good and some were, you know, really bad. Yeah. And I think during some of, you know, during certain updates where it seemed like the game was going in the wrong direction, I'd get nostalgic for the old days and, you know, I'd go play like UO <laughs> right. Hybrid. That would remind me of like the Renaissance era. Yeah. And then also there's just something like crazy magical about a fresh start on a UO oh, yeah. server. Like everybody's going out and casting fourth level spells and trying to get gold. And um, it's just, you know, it's, it's, so fun 20 years later i can still play a fresh start on uo and just i'm staying up till four in the morning like you know six <laughs> right. days in a row like it's so crazy um how it's it, it can still capture that feeling so and whenever there's like a big buzz free shard i pretty much always hop on it at least for the for the start now what do you uh is the last one you played was it outlands yeah so i'm currently like casual on both outlands and um uo renaissance okay so uh mostly outlands though i, I hop on outlands uh, a few times a week and do like the faction fights there and i have i have a pk that i run around with and and mess with people on so are you willing to div divulge who your pk is in outlands nope that is a secret <laughs> <laughs> okay hey i had to ask yeah because i'm very it, it's because I, I think uh, no that's that's my vision that's my evil side dude i kill my own guildy i kill <laughs> everyone with that character and nobody knows it's me awesome I no i don't yeah. stream it that's just <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. oh yeah i know i've um you know i recently started probably in the last couple of months started streaming uo and yeah i've had to really understand like when you stream a game like uo i mean 
you know, you stream World of Warcraft, whatever. Yeah, someone could like, you know, come to your location, maybe just talk to you. There's not much griefing you can do. But in UO, I mean, you know, you're under a damn microscope. I mean, the amount of griefing someone can <laughs> you know, do to you is is pretty intense um, compared. But uh, but yeah, so that's super fascinating. Now, what now to me, I am a UO purist in terms of maps, but Outlands was the first one I've tried that has a custom map. What is your opinion on like the map design and that kind of thing? I, I think it's exquisite. I, I yeah, I think it's unbelievable uh, how good of a job they did with Outlands. I think Luthius since spent something like five years designing yeah. the map or something like just an incredible amount of work. And you see the detail everywhere you go, every dungeon, like there's nothing wasted, you know, like every right. single wall, every single room it feels handcrafted. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm blown away by the amount of work that they put into Outlands. And I think when I talked to him, um, he said, I think that it, was, it was in like beta for like two, three years, which is almost the length of <laughs> some free shards like existence. So, you know, when I logged into it, it was, it was special because it gave me a little bit of that new player feeling in UO where I'm like, we're going to mausoleum and i'm like well yeah you had to explore again yeah i i'm like what is what is mausoleum and then i go in there and i have to relearn and to be honest i still don't know every dungeon and the ins and outs of every single place but um it was a new experience and i really enjoyed it because you could tell the polish was really there um, it feels like the expansion that uo should have gotten back in like 1999 um yeah you know and instead of um instead of trammel and yeah, it was, it was crazy logging into that server and having to explore it and having to, you know, look up new maps and just figure out where to go and what the spawns were. It was, yeah, man, the Outlands launch was, was so much fun. Oh yeah. I can only imagine. Um, so let me ask you this. Um, first of all, uh, did you hear about the new UO announcement for the production, the OSI? I don't follow production at all anymore. Okay. So the, and I'll just give you the the long and dirty because, of course, the details are kind of sparse. But um, they did a live stream and they said they're going to do a seasoned shard. And basically, it's a, a whole new kind of world. And it's going to be, they, they quote it as kind of going back, but it's not going to be what everyone wants. Like, you know, pre-tram kind of deal. But again, there's not a lot of detail on it, but it's going to be a season thing and they're trying to do something new. Um, you know, two part question is number one, will you check, you know, that out do, or do you have any interest? And then the follow up to that would be if they did bring back a pre tram shard, which I really think the answer is they're not going to, but if they did, would you come back to that on production? Yeah, I would, I would come back to a pre-tram shard for sure. I mean, I don't know how much longevity it would have. My, There's absolutely no chance that OSI makes a better server than Outlands. It's just not possible. Um, they don't have yeah. the talent or the vision or the conviction to do that. Um, but I would come back for the fresh start and play it for a couple months. Um, you know, I think that would be a lot of fun. I'm sure it would bring back a bunch of the old timers and everything. So it, it would be fun. But in the long run, there's no way it would compete with Outlands. Outlands is just a, a much better uh, server made by people who get uo right um and i think the modern uo is you know it's gone down 
a bunch of different paths and sort of lost its identity. So I don't think it could compete. Um, you know, the, as far as like a checking out the fresh season or whatever, it, I'm, I'm kind of interested. I'll probably check it out to see what the details are. If it's a, if it's the modern rule set and, you know, it's got all the gargoyles and, samurais and everything else like i don't know how much of that stuff i want to bother learning and getting right. into i don't know what the gearing process is like since you know they've got item insurance now and you can't just like hop in with a fresh character and, and be very effective i'm sure there's a whole lot of pve that goes into yeah um, getting up and running so it seems like it's probably going to be more effort than it's worth but i might check it out no that that's totally fair um and because <sighs> I'm going to say this, and this is probably the first time I've given my opinion um, on this podcast about it, but, you know, when I did talk to Gary, one of the things I was um, blown away with, and he even said that he checks in with EA periodically, and it hasn't happened in, in a while where the production OSI folks have ever engaged him, just for anything, because he said, I'm willing to help or, you know, you know, whatever, right? And I was like, man, you know... <laughs> It just kind of says something about the current OSI team that, you know, are they are they really that, you know, keen on what they have going on? Because clearly it's just it's not enough. Right. I think it's like that with just about any MMO, man. There's yeah. if, you, if you look at any game that was like on top at one point, um, even even mainstream, you know, games like WoW. Yeah. Um, the players are just constantly yearning for how it used to be and whatever people are, you know, used to be in charge or gone working on other projects. And you've got these new people that come in and inherit it. And, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to keep that going, man. Like not yeah. a lot of people have it. Not a lot of people have the talent and the vision to, to make what made these games great. And their original, um, you know, their first year or two of, of production, it, it almost always falls apart. Yeah, and I think, you know, as I've gotten older, perhaps wiser, that's debatable, but I have, you know, kind of understood that I'm never going to really capture the spirit of what I experienced back in, you know, the late 90s, and that's okay, but I'm like, you know, in my head, I always think, man, but these developers could get it kind of close, right? You know, like, it is possible. It's not, you know, something that can't be done, um, but but yeah, but okay. So, all right, moving on now, um, we're going to go back to an OSI, you know, question. What did you think when they brought in Trammel? Because you, you played past it, right? From what I understand. Yeah, I played a long time past Trammel. I thought it was devastating. I think it's the worst uh, mistake in the history of gaming. Like, yeah. it's, it changed the entire genre for the worse permanently. And I, I don't think we've ever really recovered from it. And I don't right. think people who were who came into the genre afterwards understand how much was lost when Trammel was added to UO. Um, it was just like really devastating. Um, I, I understand that they had, and I actually, um, I made a post on the Crowfall forums a few years back because yeah. um, the guy who brought Trammel into UO is also one of the main guys behind Crowfall. Wow. His name is like Gordon Wallace or something. Yeah. Um, and I made a post asking him like, you know, I, I checked your credits and it says you were the one who did Renaissance. Did you add Trammel to UO? And, you know, he had this big response where he explained like, well, people were quitting the game and my job as the, you know, the producer was to, um, have a you know certain number of subscribers and revenue and it was business right. blah 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 you know he had his reasons and I understand that but every UO server has that problem and every player server that I've played hasn't had a they like have not had to add Trammel now 
you could say they're not they, they don't have hundreds of thousands of players so maybe right. it's an unfair comparison <laughs> yeah but still there's so many creative solutions that servers like IPY or servers like Outlands have come up with um, for dealing with non-consensual PVP that right, are just yeah. clearly better than Trammel, like objectively smarter, more thought out, fairer to everyone involved. Um, Trammel was just them throwing in the towel, in my opinion. It was like, we can't figure out how to solve this problem, so we're just going to give up. Well, and I and I think, you know, as I, and I'm going to quiz way more people on, on that Trammel question, but from what I understand, you know, it was definitely a business decision, right? I mean, plain and simple. Um, and it worked from a business standpoint, you know, they, yeah. they were losing a certain amount of subs and that they kind of, um, you know, staved off the bleeding a little bit and were able to recover some of that. So from a business standpoint, you could say it was successful, but I think that there's other things they could have done that would have been 10 times more successful, both from a gameplay and from a business standpoint. And I think, uh, you know, this, this comes into free shards too, is unfortunately for better or for worse, the blues you know, are paying the bills, not the PKs, if that makes sense to me. Um, and I think that's not only from a donation perspective, perhaps, but, you know, that kind of thing, right? Where, you know, a lot of the PVMers, right, are are probably pumping in more money in the game than the PKs, you know, but that's just my you know, just thousand foot view. I think it. they're paying a different price too. They're, I don't think that they um, get to experience, like, I don't think they know what they've lost. Um, right. People who are strictly PVM focused. I don't think that they um, realize, because I didn't go into UO as like a PVP minded player. Um, I was too yeah. young and I was too like, you know, soft, I guess. Like I was nine years old. I wasn't yeah, going sure. in there with the thought, like I'm going to go kill a bunch of people. <laughs> um, you know, I was, I was trying to make friends with everyone I came across. I was trying to kill monsters and get stronger. When I was attacked by another player, I would just die. Like I didn't know how to fight back. Um, yeah. It took, it took me months or years to figure out like how to hold my own in PVP. But um, the fact that I was, kind of forced to do that is what made uo what it was like that's what made me join a guild and find friends hold on right. a second my cats are fighting yeah okay sorry about that no, you're um, good. but that's that's what like the the reason why um i joined a guilds in uo was because i needed protection from pks i needed friends you know i, I needed to join a community it's what keeps the game from being sort of like isolated um or, right. or more of like a solo experience it forces you to group up with other players and it, it forges those friendships in a um in an environment where they're more meaningful and they're more likely to last um because it's you're not just running a dungeon with someone and then a hey, piece like see you next tuesday night and we'll do it again right yeah um like it's it really matters uh, you're in stressful situations with each other you really get to know each other and you really make some awesome friendships that way Oh yeah. And you know, I, I almost bring this up with everyone I talk to because it's just, it's so silly, but you know, I think housing, how UO did it is just, I almost think even in 2020, it's ahead of its time, right? Like no one really oh, has yeah, done No it. one's done housing like UO <laughs> ever since, not even close. Yeah. I mean, what, and, and, you know, this is probably a more broad question I'm going to ask you, but you know, why, and it's hard to say, you know, why do you think UO hasn't been replicated in modern times? But, you know, why do you think, you know, it hasn't gotten more like adaptation to the mainstream, you know? I think WoW is just a safer model. 
um, from yeah. from a funding standpoint, it's easier to get an investor to put money into a WoW clone than a UO clone because WoW was just objectively more successful, you know, in terms of oh yeah, um, uh, in terms of money. So I think that became the model. If there was never a World of Warcraft, I think it would be a little bit more open ended. You know, people would look at both EverQuest and UO and say, okay, well, EverQuest had you know fifty percent or maybe even twice as many players as UO, but that's still not like that crazy uo is still viable once wow came out it was like oh this has you know like 20 times more people than you right. ever did <laughs> yeah but we're gonna go with this one and i think the, the industry just kind of you know took a hard left at that point um and the other thing is when there's been a lot of attempts to make indie games kind of following the um spirit of uo and they always collapse in the 11th hour uh, yeah. due to pressure. I don't know if it's pressure from investors or just pressure from their softer side of their player base. But what always happens is um, people complain about things like open world PvP. Great and the thing. devs yeah. don't stick to their guns. They don't look for creative solutions. They just keep throwing trammel into the game over and over again. They just keep adding safe zones and PvE zones and splitting their player base instead of coming up with creative solutions to the problem. It, they just keep making the same mistake. And it's really frustrating to watch because it's a predictable problem. You know yeah. if you're going to make an open world sandbox game with PvP in it, you know that one of the things that's going to happen is a certain percentage of your players are going to get frustrated and pissed off and they're going to send you angry emails saying like why did you know I just <laughs> want to play the game without without dying. Like yeah. th that was my reaction when I died in UO. <laughs> right. Like, you know, like I I just why are people attacking me? I just want to go kill some long bats like um, so you know you're going to get that feedback, but it, they seem surprised every time. They're like, "Well, so many of our players are telling us that they, it's like, oh, come on, man! Like, are we? Do we have to go through this song and dance again? Why don't they get it by now?" Well, and, and it's interesting you say that because I remember um, I was in the New World beta, like you know, well, I think it's still in beta, or whatever. But like the that's first a great example, yeah, yeah, that's like the example. the that's first a game, yeah, the first iteration of it. I remember because I guess because I have Amazon Prime or whatever, they sent me an invite. I was like, okay, cool, I'll download it, whatever. And I log in and I'm like, okay, I'm kind of digging this. And then it's like, got the open world feel where people are attacking. I'm like, all right. I'm like, I can really get into this. And then, yeah, all of a sudden they come back and it's like, nope, you know, PVP's pretty much out of the game. And I'm like, what? Like, uh, and, and I, I guess I'm just more curious. Yeah. Like, I feel like these companies are saying, and this goes back to my original, you know, I'll put my tinfoil hat on my conspiracy theory that. You know, the, the blues who are PVMing, they're thinking these people are going to carry the game financially, whereas the, 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 P, the PKers, I'll even put it very harshly, the griefers, right, are going to ruin the experience and no one's going to play the game, which I just, I don't feel like that's true because people still play <laughs> these games. I mean, I if, mean, it's true if you make a theme park game, you know, if you make like an EverQuest or a WoW clone. Right. Yeah, the blues, the PVMers, like that is the content. The content is leveling up and fighting monsters and getting gear, and that's fine. That's that type of game can be super fun. Right. Um, but if you set out to make a sandbox and then WoW players come in and complain that there's too much PvP or that they're losing their stuff and they don't <laughs> want to lose their stuff, like what do you expect, man? They don't like they they're yeah. used to WoW. Like they don't know what the they don't get the concept yet. Like that's not your demographic. I know, and I think, and I almost think this is perhaps an identity crisis in a lot of these games, like where they don't know which direction they want to go. And and I have a feeling most of these companies, I mean, I get it; it's a business. They're chasing the dollar signs, right? And when you make these hard, 
angled turns like that, I'm like, man, to me, like New World, it's a dead game. Like they they had the whole they brought it back, right? I think I don't know if it was like beta two or whatever. It was on everyone was playing it on Twitch, and I'm like, well, now it's just a crafting simulator, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's I I went um, super hard on the New World preview. You know, yeah. pretty much did everything there was to do in that game. And my conclusion at the end, like I I started to make a, a video about it. Um, and the, the title of the video is pretty much exactly what you said. It's new world is a game that has no identity. Um, <laughs> right. Like it's, it's literally the best way to sum it up. It's a game that just can't figure out what it is or what it wants to do. Um, right. And it's, it, it's going to be fun for a few weeks, you know, when everything's new and fresh, but ultimately there's, there's no way that anyone plays that game for more than a month. Like it's just gonna, it's just gonna fizzle out and die. Right. Oh yeah. No. And I think, they got, you know, that feedback and I guess we'll see where it takes them. But, um, okay. So moving back to you and I'm sorry, we got on the tangent there, but I feel like that's, it's really interesting thing. Um, but you know, if, if you were, and this is, I'm going to move into just some fun questions, you know, if someone gave you, you know, a blank check for UO, you know, what, what would you use it for in your mind? Oh, to like, for for modern UO or like to make my own server or what do you mean? Um, you know, I think we should. Uh, I would say open ended. Yeah, like if you want to make your own chart, sure. Um, I mean, if I was going to make a UO shard, I think I would borrow very heavily from Outlands. I think those guys really made like the next generation of what where UO should have gone instead of you know instead of Trammel. Right. Um. So uh, there's there's some things in Outlands that I would change. I, I do think the game is a little bit uh, sort of like too easy for Blues and yeah. a little bit too safe in some in some ways. So um, I would probably switch up the incentives a little bit. Um, but I think overall they're doing like a pretty great job. It's hard to criticize Owen and Luthius because those guys both just strike me as is like like genuine geniuses when it comes to uo and, and gameplay and game design uh, there's so many just like smart <laughs> nuanced yeah. things that they've done in terms of pve progression and um you know just like the way that the game feels now that i, I think we're we're amazing um but if i if i were to make like my own um mmo from with with unlimited money oh i don't that's 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 a hard one to answer i feel like there's a <laughs> yeah. lot of different directions um that that i could take that i think one of the biggest things that uo is kind of missing or that's sort of failing to um modernize is the combat you know for those of us who played uo back in the day the combat still feels pretty good especially right. the mage combat we kind of understand the the um you know the different complexities to it but you know melee is basically you hold down your right mouse button and you stick on top of someone like it's right. not that interesting anymore a lot of that stuff needs to be updated and i think it's really hard to come up with a combat system for an open world pvp game that feels properly balanced and satisfying because oh, you yeah. want something where you know people can 1vx you don't want it to be purely numbers based um but um you know, you also want it to be sort of modern and, and new. You don't want to fall back into tap targeting or any of these other systems that have been played out a bunch of times. So I think yeah. that would be the biggest hurdle in making a modern UO is, is coming up with a proper combat system. Probably at the end of the day would be something that's sort of like MOBA-like. 
um, kind of like Albion, but not nearly as clunky. You know, like right. if you could actually if you could actually put like Dota like combat into the game and have it feel good and have it scale with dozens of people on the screen, um, I think that could feel pretty modern. And and you could still keep the isometric camera angle and do a lot of the housing and a lot of the other stuff that UO did. Um, no, that's but fascinating. It, it would yeah. be tough. Yeah, it would be it would be tough to pull off even with unlimited money, which I think is why a lot of people just you know just stick with the WoW clone. Well, yeah, and I ask people that because you know I'm going to say something reversed to what you said about Outlands. That I will say this: it is extremely easy to criticize, right? And like you know, poke holes at certain things for Owen or these other guys, and that's why sometimes I reverse it and I almost add, and I'm not you know doing that to you, but I'm saying for other people that are criticizing, I'm like, okay what is your solution to this then? Right. And it's usually crickets. There's no response to it. And I'm like, well, you can sit and have a conversation. I've talked to Owen and Luthius before and I've said, Hey, you know, I don't, why is this set up this way? Or why did you choose to do this? And then when I learn about it, I'm like, okay, there was a logical decision-making behind this. It wasn't just throwing darts on a dartboard and okay we're gonna yeah i've, yeah. <laughs> I've never gotten the dartboard feeling from those guys right and even the stuff that i disagree with i feel like it's very well thought out and it's you know it's um like you got to respect that a lot of game devs don't surprisingly even the triple a ones they really don't have that process they they follow yeah. their feelings they follow their intuitions and some of them have good instincts but 99 percent of them honestly don't and they mess it up um, you need to be able to sit down and think about like, what is the actual goal here? What is the experience? What are we trying to produce? Um, you know, what is, what is the outcome of this that we're looking for? You can't just follow what your intuitions are. Right. Um, and I think those guys do a really good job of, you know, ha they have good intuitions to, to begin with, but they also like really think things through. Yeah. Cause you know, and, and this is, you know, more or less why I, you know, started this podcast was to just kind of unify everyone and just say, Hey, you know, we kind of need to stop with the huge silos where, oh, I play, you know, UO forever and anything outside of that is trash, right? When it's like, you know, honestly, there's only a, a finite number of UO players. It's very niche to begin with. And I think the more you silo and isolate, I think the worse off it is. Like, I don't, you know, if you play another shard, that's fine. I don't, you know, I don't really care. As long as you're playing UO at, at the core of it, that, that's, that's the goal, in my opinion. And I think what I've noticed in Outlands I've never seen before is there's actually literally people who have never played UO before logging in. And that's just, that's a wild concept on its own. Cause I, I know I can tell you, you'll probably laugh, but trying to explain it to my son, I feel like I'm speaking another language. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I feel the same way. Even just trying to talk to my viewers about old games. They're, they're just like, okay, boomer. Like, you know, they just yeah. have no idea what I'm even trying to explain. Yeah, I, I know. In my day. Yeah, I know. I feel like, you know, I'm old, but I'm like, damn it, I'm not that old. I mean, I'm like, I know if people would have played UO or give it a shot, you know, it is extremely complex, but man, the payoff it's so is so hard to explain yeah. to someone who didn't actually experience it. It's so hard to describe. I know. All you and can do is tell stories and hope people get a glimpse of what it was like. Right. Well, and too, like, oh, I can't, how do I target? Can I tab? Tab? I'm like, no, you know, like click. And, you know, it's like this foreign concept because if you were grew up on wow, it's just, it doesn't, you owe, I guess is the reverse of what we think, right? It doesn't make sense. You're like, well, why is that set up that way? And I'm like, man, I don't know. Leveling to me just doesn't feel 
it doesn't feel, you know, gratifying in the way. Yeah. People always ask like what class they should pick. And I'm like, well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's a good point where it's like, well, what do you want to be? And it's like, huh? What do you mean? It's like, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to craft stuff? Do you want to kill people? Do you want to, you know, and it, and I think that revolutionary question, I'm so shocked that we've gotten away from that, right? Where it's like, we're just spoon fed. Oh, you want to be a warrior. Okay. Here's your template, uh, you know, go off. And I'm like, I just feel like you miss something magical with do whatever you want. Right. I don't know. That's, that's what attracts me to these type of games personally. Um, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and this is another fun one. Um, <laughs> I may put you on the spot, so this should be interesting. If I'm on your phone, what games are you playing on your phone? On my phone? Yeah. Do you play the games only- on your phone? The only phone games I've ever, there's probably three that I got really sucked into at one point or another. The first phone game, well, so I actually, I, I developed a phone game. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And that's why I got into streaming, actually, is because I was streaming the game that I made with um, with my friend here in San Diego. Um, wow. Well, he, made it, he made it. I just kind of helped. Um, and But yeah, I did like some of the level design and the card design. It was uh, called Cards and Castles. Okay. And um, it was kind of like Hearthstone meets chess. Um, so this was before Hearthstone um, yeah. came out um, or around the same time the Hearthstone came out. But it was basically like, you know, he had a history in Magic the Gathering. And so we made this card game, but it was played on a tactical like chessboard. So your okay. cards became units on the board that would move around. Um, and that was super fun. I had a lot of fun both working on that game and playing it. Um, and so I used to play that on my phone quite a bit and then i ended up playing a game called clash royale oh yeah which is like a <laughs> yep. super super ingeniously designed but also like annoyingly pay to win game <laughs> oh yeah um so i played that for a couple of years um i got into black desert mobile uh for okay. about the first six months when that released and then i got frustrated with the monetization and i quit um and then currently the only mobile game I really play, and ironically, I mostly play it on PC, but if I'm like bored somewhere, I can play it on my phone too, is uh, Raid Shadow Legends. Okay. And yeah. uh, I only got into that game because they sponsored me. Um, right. I, I was kind of like such a, you know, marketed game. Everyone kind of memes on it. Right. Um, but I played it for the sponsorship and I, you know, I thought it was pretty fun. I definitely think it has its flaws, but it's also, they're, they're slowly making it better. Um, yeah. So... That's that's the only game that I'm I'm playing at the moment. It's kind of like it's like a hero collector gotcha, you know, a lot of gambling, a lot of right. RNG. Oh yeah. Uh, so no, it, it's interesting. Yeah, because I always like and is there anything and this is more like, you know, just more about you. Is there any game on your computer that you play that would surprise your viewers? I don't know. I still play a lot of old games, honestly. Like there's a yeah. there's a player server for EverQuest um, that I'm playing right now um, called Project 1999. Yeah, I've heard of that. To, yeah, they're about to release um, the Kunark expansion, which is like the first big expansion for EverQuest. They're kind yeah, of going yeah, yeah. through and following the following the classic timeline. So I'm playing that right now. Um, most of what I play on PC, I'll stream. So it's it's pretty it's pretty obvious. I'm, I did a right. permadeath subnautica run where i died earlier this week um <laughs> I play a lot of FromSoft games you know dark souls Sekiro, uh, bloodborne i love those games i've played them all a million times um, yeah i did a permadeath run of dark souls and actually was able to complete the whole game without dying so that was wow. an adventure it took me 18 tries uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah um 
but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. Anything that's strategy or RPG, I'll probably play it. Um, right. And obviously MMOs, you know, I'm always going to at least check them out. Now, um, and we're going to go off the rails a little bit, but um, what is, have you heard of Ashes of Creation? What's your opinion? Uh, no, what's that? Um, so, yeah, of okay, course, every, okay. every five, every five <laughs> yeah. seconds, someone in my Twitch chat asks me about Ashes of Creation. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that it is... It's hard, man, because again, we were talking earlier about sort right. of like intuition versus logic. Um, I think that the guy who's making Ashes of Creation, it has the right motives. I don't know if he has what it takes to actually make the game feel right. Like the right. game to me is almost—it's almost the opposite of Outlands. It's like all logic and no feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's. Um, I guess that's not the opposite of that ones, but like it's it's the opposite of a, the problem that a lot of games have nowadays where it's all feeling and no logic. It, Ashes of Creation feels like all logic and no feeling. It's a it feels like a collection of features like right. there's this one thing that worked in lineage. So we're going to take that. There's this other thing that worked in WoW. So we're going to take that. And it's like they they took like 100 features from every game and are trying to make a game out of that. And I don't know if that works like I, yeah. an MMO. Most MMOs, honestly, I feel like are made good almost on accident it's like it's they have to be inspired in some way like the people making the game have to have really like a vision and a a feeling for how they want the game to to feel to the players and i for sure think ashes of creation isn't really they're taking like almost the opposite approach it could work um but i think it's going to take a lot of fine tuning and a lot of testing and a lot of real critical feedback um my my guess is that when you hop into ashes of creation you're going to look at a game that that you know it looks nice and a lot of the features sound really cool um but i don't know if it's really going to be compelling or addicting in the way that some of these other i don't know if it's going to feel new exactly or like immersive i think it's just going to feel like quote unquote well designed but that's not enough to make an mmo like capture you and take over yeah. your life the way that these other games did you know oh for sure and that's why i always like asking you know, those kind of questions because and why i mentioned ashes very specifically was yeah you mentioned lineage you know and they when i heard that they're pulling a lot of stuff from lineage you know we all know lineage came from uo they pulled a lot from uo in lineage so that's what really gave me the trails but of course i mean <laughs> There's still so much to go before Ashes even is live. I mean, we're talking, I think, at least another year. If I uh, at least, yeah, two or three years, I think, right. is optimistic. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it goes back to, and this is probably why you hear it, you know, all the time people asking you, there's such a thirst just for... Oh, yeah, mass yeah. people or just <laughs> <Yeah>. anything. Like, right. <laughs> I remember even when Bless Online, which was like clearly going to flop, like it had no chance of succeeding. Even that, yeah. people were so hyped and they were like, oh, this is the next big game. And I'm just like, you guys got to taper your expectations. This thing's <laughs> going to die in 24 hours. Right. Um, and But people, anything, even the most garbage MMO, people will, will just... We'll, we'll get so excited for it because there's such a, a thirst. Yeah. Well, I think too, um, for, you know, investors, you look at, you know, if someone pitches you an MMO, you're almost like, oh, here we go again. You know, collectively, probably at this point, billions have been lost, you know, over decades, right? Chasing that wow dragon. Um, so I think Ashes, you know, was a little different where they had, they had some interesting concepts that I'm looking at, but, you know, there's just not a lot on the horizon for MMOs. So yeah, it's just, 
I guess we'll just see how that kind of that plays out. Um, so I guess for, you know, and this is kind of another maybe fun one. What is something, because you said you've been streaming now for four years, right? On Twitch? Yeah. What is something that you did not expect in your journey with streaming? Like it could be good or bad, but like what are some of the challenges or, you know, successes that you didn't expect to happen? Oh, um, I think um, the way the community developed was kind of a surprise to me. Um, you know, you never know like who's going to watch your stream and you, right. you kind of, you, you act in a way where you're trying to attract the right people um, and make something sustainable. And, you know, you kind of have to balance between like sort of mass appeal and getting a bunch of people in there that might not be good for your community versus right. like a more... <laughs> Uh, you know, a more uh, like, um, I don't know what the word is, but a more specific, I guess, appeal. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think the challenge for me has been kind of balancing that and finding the right people who I want, like hanging out. And um, the, I think the amount, the community that I've made both on Twitch and Discord has really surprised me. Um, some of the people that I encounter on there are like they're they're incredible. I'm like, man, what are yeah. you doing hanging out with me? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's um, wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's 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 some just really cool people that I've come across um, that are really fun to game with. You know, we've been streaming a lot of Among Us lately, and like yeah. some of the people that I'm playing with that I've I've been talking to on Discord or Twitch for years. You know, I'm finally hearing their voices, and you know, yeah. they're so fun to play with. And um, like, there's there's been times when like real life stuff has come up, and um, you know, people have like, we've, we've connected over that and talked about things and I've gotten to know people on, you know, on a deeper level. And it's, um, it's, it's cool considering that like most of the time, my online friendships, the only time I've really like made close online friends was playing games like UO with people for years right. where yeah, we're yeah. like in voice every day and we're talking about things. Um, and so it's a little bit different where like I'm mostly playing Black Desert and they're just kind of watching and Black Desert's not really a game you like play with people. So it's, yeah. um, it's it's not that same dynamic where we're like hanging out, but we've still been able to make um, make some of those connections and friendships, and that's that's been really cool for me because the the last thing you want streaming is already such an isolated thing. The last thing you want is for it to feel like you're just up on the stage and everyone else is just you know <laughs> right. an, an anonymous dot out in the audience. And so it's it's really cool like how those things have been able to overlap. No, and you know I'm only <clears throat> I would say two three months in you know my streaming adventure and. I'll I'll say I encourage and, and I don't know if you you'll probably agree but I encourage everyone that wants to stream go out and do it and the reason I say that is it was so much harder than I conceptualized in my head because I remember telling my wife I'm like hey I'm gonna just try streaming a little bit whatever and she's like she had no idea about this world she's like the concept of someone else giving you money, right. For, for streaming, just, she's like, who's doing that? It doesn't exist. I'm like, it does. I'm like, it's a real thing. And as I've like progressed and got it, she's kind of now understood about it. And then she's kind of seen how much work goes into it. You know, it is a ton of work. You know, would you agree with that? Yeah, I was going to, when, 
when you said, you know, that you would tell anyone to go and try it, I, I almost interjected with, you know, I would say the opposite. I would say stay the hell away. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. the, the odds that your effort are, is actually going to pay off is less than 1%. Right. So you better, you better either have some money saved up or you better really want to be a streamer because uh, it is so much work and so little payoff for such a long time. And you got to hit at the right moment in the right way if you want to make it. So um yeah i would i would be very cautious if you're thinking about getting into streaming which is yeah. exactly what everyone told me when i started and that's why i put it off you know um so maybe maybe it's not good advice but yeah it was it's definitely been a struggle like in terms of finances and scheduling and just like you know not yeah. sleeping ever um and you know the toll it takes on your real life relationships so yeah i would i would go into it cautiously for sure if you are thinking about going into it um, but I, it is, it is a hell of a job if you can make it work, like, you know, yeah. control your own schedule and you get to meet a lot of cool people and you get to play video games. So it's hard to beat that. And I'll throw an asterisk in too that. Yeah. I have no aspirations to do it full time just, just because, and this is kind of the, the flip side that people don't see is the financial aspect, you know, to your point. Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't even know how you could correlate a, a dollar amount to the hours that you put in for work. So I know for me, you know, having I think my first year streaming, I made something like $3 an hour. I did the math <laughs> yeah. at one point. There used to, we used to have a, we used to joke about it because someone wow. would sub in the stream and my viewers would be like, Oh, you're making three fifty now instead of $3. Like, you know, so. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, for sure. Like that's why I've approached it more as a, hobby where I'm like, you know what? I like playing you. I like playing games. I'm going to throw it on and just see what happens, you know, and just kind of see where it takes me because, you know, and I, I really agree with this sentiment too, that yeah, if you're thinking of doing this like full time or whatever, yeah, you got to be prepared to like, I mean, either have a whole bunch of savings or something because yeah, it takes, I would think, unless you get extremely lucky, hell, but it takes a long time to build a community, to build stuff up. I mean, and it's just much harder. People, I think the, the misconception is just turn on it, turn on your cam and stream a game. Go ahead. You know, and I'm like, I've learned at least it's, it's way more complicated than that. Um, at least, you know, in my opinion. But yeah, I, I do agree with that sentiment. If you're trying to do it full time, I mean, you better have a real good plan <laughs> to pull it off. Um, but OK, so getting back to you personally. What is coming down the road for you? What, what do we, I mean, can we, can we, are we going to see you stream UO ever again? Or what's, what's kind of coming in your pipeline? Here? Um, possibly I, I do. I stream UO every now and again. Um, I mean, it's, it's mostly like, mostly just like the faction fights on yeah. um, Outlands. You know, if there's if one of those pops off or like, um, if there's a IDOC on Renaissance that my guildies are going to, like some of that stuff I'll stream. Um, right. it's, it's hard to, UO's a, it's kind of a weird game to stream. Like you, you never know if you're going to get content or not in UO. Like right. if you, um, there's days where like you're in a dungeon and interesting things are just happening unexpectedly constantly you know, there's <laughs> right. like thieves and role players and murderers and like you know um all kinds of like weird characters and there's other days where like just kind of like nothing happens and you go for two hours and you're just kind of like killing farm and gold or, yeah. And, yeah yeah so it's it's um you know as far as streaming it's kind of hit or miss um i think if there's like 
new events or new updates that they do i you know i'm probably more inclined to stream but it'll probably never be like a regular part of the schedule yeah for sure and and i guess we'll just move aside of uo what else do you have coming down the pipeline that you you know your viewers may find interesting or anyone like that any new mmo that seems promising i'm probably going to check out at least to see if it's worth it so you know that like when Lost Art comes out in North America, we'll be checking that out. There's okay. um, that new Elyon game. We'll be checking that out. Um, there's an indie game called Fractured that you should actually look into because you might be interested. It's kind of um, it's made by some old UO players, and it's another one of those like open sandbox games. Um, has yeah. isometric gameplay and kind of like a Path of Exile style combat. So huh, um, okay. I played that one a month or two ago in their alpha, and they've got another alpha coming up in November. So I'll probably check that out. Um, that's going to be, you know, player houses and cities and, and the whole works. So that game looks looks pretty cool. Um, but a, a lot of the games I'm looking at, I'm, you know, they're still pretty early in development or or whatever. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of but every every month or two, there's either like a game that's on the way or there's like a beta that's coming out. So um, as those things release, we'll definitely be checking them out. Black Desert's in a weird spot right now. It's it's always one step forward, two steps back. with the video <laughs> yeah. devs. So um you know, I'm kind of feeling the same thirst as everyone else. I would like a new game to play. I would like to move on to other stuff. Um, but in the meantime, it's kind of like we're making do with what we have. Right. Um, there's um, a new website that I'm launching for BDO, like as a guide. So that's kind of okay. inspired my interest in the game again, because it's, you know, forced me to sort of like really take a deep dive and learn the aspects of the game on a, on a deeper level, sort of like how I did when I first played it. So that's been kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, mainly I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of like everyone else, man. I'm kind of waiting and, and seeing the next thing. I'm just, yeah, I'm very cynical at this point and uh, you know, my <laughs> yeah. expectations are very low. So when, whenever a new game is on the horizon, I'm always like, I'm, I'm quick to pick it apart and see how it's going to fail rather than get super hyped about it. So, but I'm, I'm ready to be pleasantly surprised by any of these games, you know, if any of them turn out to be good, like I'll, I'll enjoy right. them oh, for yeah. as long as I can. Um, okay. No, that, that's awesome. And is, and we're. Where can people find you? Uh, it's Moreland TV everywhere. So Twitter, Got it. Twitch, okay. um, the Discord vanity link is Moreland TV. If you want to hop in there, discord.gg slash Moreland TV. We've got some really, really cool people in there. Um, yeah, I'll be streaming uh, Project 1999. If you guys want to see some 20-year-old EverQuest gameplay, um, <laughs> yeah. I'll be streaming that uh, over the next couple weeks as Kunark releases. So, yeah, it's 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 a mix. We'll play some old games. We'll play some new games. And uh, just keep an eye out for what's next. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned the Black Desert thing, uh, the guide, because now I've only played, Now I'm going to you know preface this, I've only played 30 minutes. I got to level 7, and I, I, I felt this very strong addiction feeling where I'm like, man, I could really get sucked in this, this rabbit hole. And I haven't, you know, spent any more time yet. I'm going to, but I would be definitely interested to see that guide you're talking about because yeah, as, as, as complex as UO is, I mean, damn, black desert's gotta be up there too. <laughs> yeah. Black, black desert. It started off really complicated. And the longer that it goes, the more complicated it gets. Cause you right. have all these like systems that are sort of, being outdated and partially updated and yeah it gets it gets really weird i think they're trying to streamline the new player experience with um with the new season servers and stuff but it's still a, a, it it takes a while to figure that game out even for someone who's been playing it for years there's parts of it where i'm like you know still trying to get the, the different <laughs> right. nooks and crannies sorted out yeah no and 
I would definitely, you know, please don't let me know when you release it. I would definitely like to see that. Um, but is there anything else um, that you want, you know, my core UO viewers to hear anything you want to say, um, you know, go ahead and, and hit us with it. Oh, I don't know. Don't open give up mic, hope, man. <laughs> <laughs> sure. There's, there's some people still giving it a shot. I know we've had some really big disappointments with like new world and legends of Aria and some of the other sandbox right. games that were supposed to hit this year or last year and ended up, you know, kind of fading out but i would say uh keep an eye on on fractured you know try to give those guys a chance the game's still in alpha so it's a ways off but um right there's there's still people out there that are trying to make it happen whether that's fractured or ashes of creation you know five years from now or whenever that comes out so don't give up hope yet yeah no and i i you know sincerely appreciate you sitting down with me because you know i have a feeling we're gonna be talking again you know later on because it's rare and was it's very hard to find someone who's grown up on UO and then kind of fast forward in that 20 years in the modern era, right? And how do we explore this this market with such a strong UO addiction <laughs> in our back pocket, right? Because I think you'd agree, it never goes away. Like I always think about UO, right? <laughs> yep. I mean, yeah, it's 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 very, you know, weird to think about, but um, but no, I, I really appreciate you sitting down with me and, um, you know, I look forward to our next chat and hopefully, you know, maybe we'll be talking, you know, about the next UO, who knows, but uh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me.